Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 and welcome to another fantastic episode of Nerds North, the premier form of video game show hosted by two brothers, a third person, only live from Simon's basement, Matt's main floor, second floor, second floor, and Hannah's main floor. I should second really just get rid of this floor bullshit. <laughs> well, I mean, my floor in about three weeks will change, so you know, it's never been more relevant. Basement dweller, one of us, one of us. Actually, I'm not in my basement. My basement is very dangerous right now. But I am your father, son, the goalie host. Simon Pez are joined in solidarity with my faithful squad mates, Matt and Hannah. How are we doing, lads? Well, I just finished watching episode four, so I'm a little confused. All right. But but yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. <laughs> Hannah? I, I just finished watching episode four for the second time, and I'm still confused, so... All right. Well, let's um, let's get into it. Uh, this may be my hot take, and please don't send me to horny jail. But despite this being the horniest episode of maybe any game, of, like we'd have to probably go back to like Game of Thrones season one, where they would just do exposition with an orgy behind them. Uh, this may be the horniest episode of Game of Thrones that we've seen in a long time. But I also thought it was really good, <laughs> especially compared to last week. I didn't particularly enjoy, uh, but it's right up there with the top ones. But are you guys having, I want to hear your feedback, but I also want to hear, are you having trouble recalling that there's only been four episodes of this thing? I was like, yeah, like so much is, oh, wait, no, it's only been like, it's only episode four. Like I really had that going into this. I'm like, it just really felt like there were more than three of them, but nope, just the three. But, you know, Hannah, I'll go to you first this time. What did you think of the episode aside from uh, confusing? liked it honestly watching it the first time through it was interesting the whole time because you had the whole air of mystery and stuff going on and then just you know i mean sex is fun to watch <laughs> so no it was it was interesting i i just it kind of felt like one of those episodes of game of thrones where like it's like small moves happening but also like results in giant stuff and i think it was kind of cool to see rhaenyra be super manipulative i liked it yeah i just i'm interested to see what's going to happen next week because this all just seemed to be focusing around like one thing but how does it tie into what's coming we'll see yeah like i'm sure we'll get into it shortly but this was i mean you could very easily say this was a filler episode right no keeps were stormed no whatever it's kind of like what we talked about last week we're like that's yeah, a filler episode like this could you you could see as a filler episode too, but like it was just, it was just riveting. But yeah, this Matt, is what a filler episode should be. Sorry, go. Exactly. No, no, no. Sorry, it's okay. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, this episode uh, featured the the long-awaited return of a certain subject matter that Game of Thrones was was famous for: politics. Um, <laughs> yes, but... you were gonna say sex position, but I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. This wasn't even sex position. It, it was wasn't. just good character work happened to be about them having sex but you know I, I think that's why i say like this could be filler where it's like other than damon returning there's not a lot of plot um but like it it still ends up being really engaging and fascinating to watch because there's good character work in it sort of unlike last week where more probably actually happened um but you know at the same time like nothing happened um but yeah, I, I really like this one. It was nice to see, nice to see some politics, and yeah, obviously sex was a big part of this episode. But I think this this is 
the most interesting sex has ever been in Game of Thrones. It was never really used to further character development. It was definitely a, a mm. part of of some character scenes and stuff like that. But I feel like this is it. It was never used this way in the original series. And but yeah, I think I think it was done very effectively. And uh, definitely some confused feelings in parts of this. Um, but overall, I thought it was really good. Yeah, probably the two most interesting sex scenes before this are like the pilot episode where you notice how the twins are fucking. And you're like, oh, okay. And then when you get to like, what's the, I believe it's Tyrion watching uh, John and Danny go at it in like season seven or eight. And that's yeah. like Tyrion's feeling in that scene is probably how everyone felt in this scene. Like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, here it comes. It was inevitable. But the question that I want to give you guys right off the hop is I sent you a snap that said, good for him, uh, right when I f- started watching the episode. Did both of you figure out who that was about? Oh, yeah. I forgot about it, but I'm assuming Viserys. No, it was for... Slash uh, Kristen. Was the, the little guy that gutted the big jerk. I can't remember his <laughs> name. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. it definitely was. There was a few good for thems in this one. Yeah, there was... There, that's but yeah, true. good for that kid. I mean, I think like a lot of people were like, oh, no, it's Game of Thrones. Like this kid's going to have a duel and we're going to see him get fucked up. And I think it's like a Blackwood is what he is. Right. I believe. And like yeah. he goes in there, and he laughs. And like the guys. I mean, I'll be honest, controversial opinion, hot take, trigger warning here. Anytime someone with a British accent says the word cunt, it's pretty funny to me. I, I got to be honest. I saw uh, I don't know if you guys are big fans of the show Afterlife, but they just released oh, a trailer. Yeah. They just released a trailer for the new season, and it's just a cunt compilation. So I started my day by watching British people say cunt for like three minutes straight, and it was everything I wanted it to be. So this was like, I mean, it was funny when he was shit talking to him, and then you pull out the sword, and you're like, oh, this kid's going to like get get skewered. And then it cuts away, which I thought made you think further, this kid's going to get skewered. And then when you like see the shot back, he won. Like, yeah, go kid. Get a kid. Now I want to. I want to know. Again, but... Yeah, but now I want to know. It's like this. This has to be some named guy that's in like a history of the world text somewhere. I want to see what he ended up becoming. Obviously, the Blackwoods aren't some great house, so we didn't, you know, go into anything like super gigantic. But now I just kind of want to know. It's like this kid was a badass. What What did he get up to? Well, here's my question. It's going to be a uh, part one for Matt, and then part two for Hannah. So we're getting to the point where. We're getting into the meat of the story and some major things are happening and they're happening not directly the way the book tells them, but that's kind of intentionally. And this is what I'm gathering. It seems it's intentional because the book is from, depending on which source you get it from, either way, it's not necessarily from a reliable source. So in this kind, this case, particularly in this episode, we're like seeing, okay, well, maybe this is what really happened and that like little jester mushroom was talking some mad shit. So the question I want, Matt, is are we comfortable with Hannah revealing the book equivalent? Don't go further in the book, but the book equivalent of what we saw on screen. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. If, if we've seen it happen, I'm, I'm happy to know uh, the written version. Yeah, okay. So with that in mind, I understand that there was a duel between like these two characters in the book, or like it was stated that there was a duel. And so... Uh, one of the reviews I was watching was like, I always assumed that was like a formal duel and not just that they whipped out swords in the middle of the throne room. But all right. Yeah, I would imagine uh, 
that one might be euphemized by the more official version as, and there was a duel, not that someone yeah. got called a cunt and then he gutted him. <laughs> yeah. Gutted by a kid oh. for the sake of uh, whoever the hell it was that like, got gutted. I think it was uh, a Bracken. Yeah, Bracken, that's the one. Uh, for the sake of him, they probably bribed the scholars were like, just call it a duel, please. <laughs> so it's not that he got like skewered by a child. No, Sorry. It's, it's really bad because I don't remember that specific part of it. <laughs> like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to go back and check my copy of Fire and Blood. She's got a vivid memory for things going into people, but not in when they're swords. Well, not when they're steel swords, I should say. <laughs> Amen. Hey, anyway, so then we, we basically start off with Rhaenyra is now... Uh, we kind of joked about it, but Rhaenyra is now uh, fielding people going after her hand. I'm, I mean, I know they showed these two people. First, you have someone really old, and then you have someone really young for like the humor of it. But like, where's the uh, where's the dick on Tarleys of the world? Like, no one had like a hot son that they could send because clearly she's thinking at least a little bit with her vagina here. That's why she picked she, Crispin. That's kind of part of like. That and like the small tiny dude winning the duel and the guy getting squished by the dragon last episode, it just seems like they're trying to go for like funnier and more outrageous with like the little stuff. Because like, I, I didn't see any like good looking lords in that crowd. They all looked ridiculous. Yeah, you'd think just there has to be enough nobles that some of them like somewhere there would be like a, a 25 year old or something. Yeah, like son of a lord. Like, there's so many. They don't live that long. There has to be some 20-something lord somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And yet, it seemed like a real dog's breakfast. But I guess the, the, the key is to actually get her to go back to, uh, to King's Landing. So then she hops on the ship to King's Landing and gets a low flyby by Caraxes. And then you get the uh, the throne room. So I wasn't really sure in that moment. like. It seemed to me that Rhaenyra didn't exactly tell Viserys that she was coming back. So I kind of expected like a scene because they, they they talked about it beforehand. I'm like, what's he going to think now that I'm back? And I don't remember there being a huge scene like that, I guess, because Damon shows up and kind of steals the thunder. But it's also my understanding that Damon returning in the books is during a tournament. He just like lands there in the middle of it. But maybe they were like, that's a place we can like cut cut for budget. We'll just have him show up. And then everyone's there, like, for some reason, you know? I, I feel like that's, you know, the kind of, like, exiled brother of the king comes back, at, you know, after three years of war. Everyone's just like, ooh, let's see what's going on. Oh, I'm going to want to watch there. this. Yeah, 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 definitely. Do you remember that part of the book, Hannah? Or are I we now exposing yeah. some? No, no, I remember because I've specifically remember Damon in the books going up to Viserys and kneeling and giving him his crown saying I was king of the narrow sea but I'm loyal to you brother like you remember he does that but I don't remember in what way he does that and I feel like I'm not being a really good lore specialist right now dropping the ball so so uh, we'd like to announce you can hit us up on our Facebook page Nerds of the Norse podcast that we are taking open auditions for a new lore specialist for episode five. Big, big fan. I appreciate you too. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that was interesting. He comes in wearing the uh, the crown and like Rhaenyra's kind of like walking through it. But then like this is, uh, I, I think I, I mentioned it before. And I'm sure you, you two have felt it as well. Damon just feels different because he's still probably the quote unquote villainous main character. Like I'd probably, you know, there's some other kind of conniving ones. But if you had to like pick who's the heroic one, who's the villainous one. I think Damon still pretty clearly comes out on the side of villainous, especially given what he does in this episode. But he's smarter than a lot of the villainous characters we've gotten used to before. Where at the end, a lot of them just seemed like uh, cartoon characters, to be quite honest. So he knows that the best way to do this is to kneel before the king. And I got to be honest. uh, I talked about last week's episode. I didn't like it particularly because everyone was miserable. I liked seeing people happy for like a brief moment. There was like two scenes, I feel, in the middle of this episode where everyone actually got along before it all went really, really bad. But I mean, I'd be lying if I told you that I wasn't happy to see, you know, King and brother embrace each other and kind of get along. I was like, ah, like just a little a little morsel of of hope in the middle of this shit pie, I think is so important. Yeah, it was really nice to see Damon and Viserys just being brothers and joking around. It's like, why don't we go see the tapestries? He doesn't want to see the tapestries. You know, like, just, like, having them just, like, joke around and be people is fun to see. Because this thing, it's like, I like all these characters. So sometimes it's just nice to see them be people. And I love the politicking and the plot and all that. But, like, every once in a while, you just need a scene of them just kind of being normal with each other. And I agree, especially after last week. It was it was it was fun to see. Yeah. Agreed. Hannah? No, I it was definitely nice to have like a little bit more of a relaxed vibe between them. Because before it was like everything was so tense, you couldn't really see what kind of relationship they had. It was just like fronting basically. And it was cool to see them like relaxing, hanging around and um then Damon sort of going off to talk to Rhaenyra and everything like it's almost like they're actually a family not just like titles in a castle doing what they have to do to fulfill their duties you know yeah I would wager this is probably the happiest the last time we'll see Viserys this happy just based off the way things go in this episode and the way his body seems to be going and etc etc but I agree with you Matt it's like especially because like Patty Considine I'll, I'll keep bringing him up every single episode he's so good but he's also like a natural comedian. So I thought that like his laugh just felt so honest when Allison, who doesn't know better, this poor teenage bride is like, perhaps you would like to see the new tapestries that have been hung up. It's like, he doesn't give a shit about that. <laughs> it was just such, as you said, Matt, it was just such a beautiful, honest moment. Uh, and like the, the laughs felt real. And then it does, you know, you feel a little bit awkward for for Allison, but it does kind of spur some sort of bridge mending between Allison and Rhaenyra, which I yeah. think was important. Yeah, and that moment, going back to something else we said last week, like, this scene serves multiple functions, right? We, yes. you know, like, that's, that is, like, the seed of maybe things aren't so great between Allison and the king, right? And then, yeah, getting, getting the, the kind of, like, making up scene with Allison and Rhaenyra afterwards is so nice. This is just one of those, like, heartwarming scenes that are very like few and far between 
in uh, in these kind of shows. So anytime anytime you get them, you gotta you gotta cherish it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And it was kind of I think this is for the first time. This is a classic case of they kind of saw it from each other's perspective, but I think particularly Rainier kind of saw it from Allison's perspective. I don't think this is exactly the scene where she talks about how lonely she is, but like you know, as far as Rainier is concerned, clearly for the past. They didn't exactly say how long it had been, but like the the second kid is now out, so presumably it's been like another I don't know six months or so. I think they said it was a year. That was in my head for some reason. A year? I can't remember exactly. I think a year. Okay, I, I thought somewhere I heard that there was like four years since the start. So yeah, that would check out. But um, either way, it's been a while. It's been like some time, and it seems like Rhaenyra's just kind of been holding on to this. Actually, it would need to be a year if she's now 18 for it not to be like really weird what we saw later in the episode. So yeah, let's go with that. Probably a year. But Rhaenyra's just been holding on to this like, oh, she was my best friend and she now backstabbed me and she's fucking my dad. And I did watch a couple of the behind the episode things and I'm pretty sure either one of those are in the official Game of Thrones podcast. They confirm that they were kind of being flirty in the first couple scenes. Like it was, uh, they were they were trying to seed that in so we weren't just insane seeing that. But finally she saw it. It's like, hey, Oh, Rainier, oh, no, woe is you. You've got to deal with, like, a bunch of suitors. I had to marry a 50-year-old man and stop start popping out babies. Like, it's not uh, it's not that great. And I think it's the line where Allison calls Rainier's situation kind of romantic when, uh, when Rainier is like, oh, yeah, like, this, this was a friend of mine, and her life was in front of her, and she had dreams that we presumably talked about because we were friends. And now all that's gone because she's now stuck with somebody and i would assume they don't really talk about it but i would assume that she actually like loves her kids so it's not like she can just run off into the woods so yeah this was um it's weird to say in a in a show where she's been married to like a 50 year old for a couple episodes but this is probably where i felt the worst for allison and i think that was a a common feeling yeah it was nice to get this sort of like heartfelt conversation between the two of them and really i mean you, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, we know the situation and we know this is probably not the best thing for her, but we haven't seen her say it yet. So combine that with sort of the nice like makeup scene. Um, yeah, you, you definitely feel for Allison to this one. Yeah. Hannah? No, I mean, looking at Allison throughout the episode, you can definitely see that like being queen has sort of worn on her. She's really anxious. And it's it's a nice reprieve for her, I think, to have Rhaenyra be more, I guess, receptive to her friendship or even just talking with her. And it just, I guess, as time goes on, you sort of see how, like, it all wears on you, I suppose. And Rhaenyra, I think, is also seeing that Alicent isn't having a great time. And she's also facing a similar prospect in the future once she gets married. So they guess they kind of bond over that. It's nice to see. Yeah, and like I, I, it was last episode we didn't actually see Allison's hands. Like we keep seeing how Viserys is falling apart, but that was a real theme in the first two episodes. Like how Allison is really beating up her hands. We didn't see it in the previous episodes. So I heard a lot of people speculate. Okay, well maybe she's kind of gotten over it. And this one, like it wasn't long. It was, and I don't even know where the shot is to look at it. But there was, I can distinctly remember a shot in the episode where you could see. No, she's still got like bloody fingers. Like she's still kind of full of anxiety. So it's such a weird thing because she probably all things considered it could be worse than Viserys so 
like in terms of getting stuck with somebody maybe she's in the the upper half of potential lords like if you could get stuck with like joffrey or ramsey so in that case viserys that's eh, not that bad but like this was still a case of like okay she may be the queen and she still has the power but she's she's really just stuck here and she's got one job and it <laughs> it sucks uh, yeah, yeah there's a lot of uh uh let's say discrepancy between between Rhaenyra and Alicent's um experiences in this episode and I, I feel like with Alicent's feelings it's maybe like less anxiety now and just moved on more to like straight up sadness or it's like there's no uncertainty about what's going to happen it's like it's happened and you know it turns out it kind of sucks yeah now it's just straight up despair well and it also shows how like Rhaenyra I think is fighting back against what's expected of her and she's having a good time doing it in this episode and Alice is just going along with it because she has to that's her role and it's like kind of breaking her down so you can kind of see like how society I guess in Westeros just breaks these women apart basically because all they're supposed to do is be broodmares yeah I did see like I think it was all Shift X, one of his videos or several of his videos. And I completely agree with him when he talks about how the, at this point, like Viserys is bad at playing the Game of Thrones. Right. And uh, I think Alicent, her clearly her dad, is an exceptional player, although we saw last episode that he's getting some pressure from his brother. But I think Alicent is becoming a better and better player because she knows the political things to say. But and then Damon is, you know, kind of through his own. He's the one who grabs the uh, the rule book and is just like doing other shit. And everyone's like, can you do that? And he's like, I don't know. You tell me that I can't, you know, it's like playing games with Adam growing up. Jesus, a lot of trauma there anyway. But Rhaenyra, I think, is just either a terrible player or intentionally not playing like what she's trying to do. Doesn't make sense if she wants to be queen. She she doesn't have any allies. I mean. Marrying someone would be a good way to get allies. It's probably good that Damon exposed to her that like just because she thinks she's queen doesn't mean the uh, the small folk, as I believe they refer to them, would agree with her. Like she just wants to go off and be free and have adventures, but still be like it doesn't when you break down what she wants, her version of events doesn't actually make any sense. It's like the least realistic thing. So. I don't know if this episode necessarily was a good reality check, maybe the very end of it, but this is like uh Rhaenyra. Yeah. I think like what's his dick. <laughs> Damon tries to give her like a little talking to her. He's like, just because you're married doesn't mean you can't have fun, but it's like it kind of does. If you're a girl though, that's just unfortunately the, the way it goes. There's a lot of good uh, for a show that's set in the theoretical, like medieval age. I think there's actually a lot of good, modern ideas in this i think that actually um rainier is a pretty modern character with like modern struggles but still i i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that but i just think the more i think about it the more her plan to be free and like not get married and like not make any allies but still want to rule but like it just doesn't like what world are you living in man see and that's where i think we have to sort of understand that she's a wild at heart teenage girl still she feels entitled to the throne because she's been raised as a targaryen and she's been named heir viserys says in the episode her and dan both have the blood of the dragon they're restless and they're chaotic and 
you can sort of see her giving in to that side of herself in this episode. And the fallout is potentially really bad if it had not been handled in the way it was. So it's kind of like she's going through growing gains and we're kind of watching it, but she doesn't understand that this is like decisions she's making could impact like her ability to rule or everything. You know, she's just a dumb kid in my opinion, which is not great, but yeah. Yeah. And I think she kind of wants the things that you would expect a teenager to want, you know, like she's been proclaimed heir. So of course she's going to say, well, yeah, I, that's mine. I deserve that. But she also, like you said, is a wild kid. She wants to do the things that everybody wants to do. And if it wasn't for her position, she would be able to do. But she also wants the things that come along with that position. So it's just like somewhere there's a breaking point and you got to pick one. Or you have to become so powerful that you literally can just do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, I guess like part of the idea that this world is is tragic and a key... uh key trope of a good tragedy is that you can see it coming, but there's no way to avoid it. But I think in the previous episodes, especially because like now she's, I mean, technically I think she would be considered an adult like two years ago when she turned 16, but now she's 18. So she's really an adult and like really time to get going on some of these things Um, that it's not just like carefree, like free teenage girl. Now she's becoming, I would say dangerously naive as a, as her father's health diminishes and then that, that little kid's only going to get older. So it's officially becoming something where you could just see the car crash coming based off the way she's acting. No, it's very true. She, um, she's very stubborn and you can tell like when she's fighting with Viserys in this episode, I don't want to get married. I don't want to do this or and he's like, your time is up. You are done. And she still wants to push back against him. Like, she's like, oh, so I can be a politicon? I'm like, yeah, you're kind of a royalty. That's what your job is. She just doesn't want to accept it. It's like she's just too stubborn for her own good, almost. Yeah. Just needs someone to come along and break the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she says all these type of things, man. That's uh. But it's it's a great point because if you think about it, and she doesn't really see it this way because she's a teenager, she can't, but like he's been a bad king and he's gonna go down shortly. Every episode that we have Viserys by the end of the credits, I'm astonished. And like given the way things are going and the way his body looked, I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel good about him for our midpoint next episode. But um if you think about it, he's been aside from like not communicating well enough with her so overwhelmingly supportive of her desire for freedom. Like he hasn't named the son King when literally everyone thinks he should. Cause he kind of stuck with his guns there. She's 18 and he lined up. What is the score is like 20 P 20 thing, right? Uh, yeah. 24. Okay. I thought Might four be score. Actually, no, no. Yes. Score? Yes. I think you're right. 10. I believe that's correct. 20. Ha! Oh, shoot. I know, stuck to my uh, I, yeah, I know Lincoln's <laughs> speech better than you guys. So she's basically got 40 people, I think is what Allison signs. And there's probably more than that, honestly. But um, she's got 40 people lined up. They're all coming to her. She's allowed to make her own choices, which is something that's kind of remarkable. Like she's, I think, 
we're going to get into a situation pretty rapidly where she's really going to miss having uh, Viserys for all his problems looking out for her because not a lot of other people probably will. Yeah, like to us, he comes off, um, I mean, at times as a good dad, at other times as maybe a bit out of touch, but it's just because it's old-fashioned. But like realistically for their positions, he's like extremely reasonable with her. And yeah, he's, as they showed in this episode, he's kind of running out of time. So she's got to get it together. I just had a thought and it's gone. Well, come back. back, If it comes back, you let us know. So let's get into the meat of the episode. So uh, (laughs) again, I'll use a quote from all chipped ass. Rhaenyra puts on a fashionable beanie. uh, Or as we Canadians would call it, a toque. Yeah, to go star in uh, the street life of Zach and Cody. Yeah. <laughs> anyways she goes and meets her uh her uncle and then they basically go uh straight to the red light district the equivalent i thought this was actually pretty cool like i mean it's it's obviously a heightened thing because you're kind of seeing it through anira's eyes and so around every corner is just the most insane shit you've ever seen but i thought that was kind of neat like you got like a loot player over here someone just like fucking an alley over here a flamethrower someone bouncing on a trapeze just like in the middle of the night like why i don't know because it looks kind of cool but it did, uh, I, I can't recall the time when we've seen King's Landing, like, from that angle, and it wasn't, like, sh- shit, <laughs> you know? Like, every time you go down there, it's just like, this is the most disgusting thing you've ever seen, because it's from the, but, you, like, it. I think I made the comparison last week, and it's not, I'm not the first one to make it, to uh, to Aladdin, and this was definitely her her Jasmine from Aladdin moment, where she goes, and she's like, whoa, look at all this stuff, isn't it crazy? A whole new world. Look at this stuff. Isn't it Isn't neat? It neat? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, I've, I don't think we've ever seen King's Landing look this lively. You know, yeah. anytime we sort of get out into the, the small folks, you know, out of the kind of castle, it's always per, been portrayed as very kind of like dirty and rough and dangerous. And obviously there would be some of that, but it was, I don't know, it was sort of nice to be reminded. It's like, hey, this is like a place where people live. It's not like a 24 hour slum, you know, like there's a reason that people live here. Um, but yeah, we've like never seen this side of the city before, even though it's like, it's, I mean, it's still definitely kind of rough and probably dangerous, but like, you know, also very vibrant. It it was cool to see. Mm -hmm. So then they, uh, we have like a little bit of a pretty awkward scene of Viserys getting a sponge bath. But I thought it was kind of interesting. Like, again, we compared it earlier. I think that it's so weird to say between, a, again, a 15-year-old, a 50-year-old guy and a presumably now 18-year-old girl, if we're just assuming they're the same age. But it does seem like Alicent and, and Viserys are at least making more than just the, more than just the expected uh, efforts to make each other comfortable with, to make them comfortable with each other. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Viserys mm-hmm. kind of, he definitely embarrassed her a little bit earlier with the tapestries thing, but that was just such like an honest moment of laughter that I think we can forgive it. But I think you could easily say that uh, Viserys has probably been nicer to her than he has to be, similar with Rhaenyra. And I remember hearing a couple of behind the episodes how uh, the Alicent actor talked about how Alicent genuinely enjoyed the conversation that she was having with Viserys. But there was, of course, a, kind of this undercurrent because of her um, 
because of her dad. So I don't think it's just like this guy's enamored with a hot young thing. And I think this scene shows it where she didn't have to like take over. She could just let him sit there and get cleaned his like disgusting arm cleaned by the the nurses. Sure. But she does take over. And he mentioned that she's got a softer hand than the nurses do. And like she kind of enjoys taking care of him. like who would have thought that a sweet moment like this would happen, which just means <laughs> he's, he's so dead. You can't have so too many. It's like, oh, we've reached the quota. Yeah. He's about yeah, this... to show us a picture of his kids back home. Is basically <laughs> yeah. where Viserys is at. <laughs> yeah, Viserys, you can too much. <laughs> you're not allowed to have any ex- like backstory or exposition for the entire rest of the show. It's the only way you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like interesting to see the, the two sides of their relationship where it's like, at least to an extent, they seem to actually enjoy each other and care about each other. It's like, she doesn't need to do that, you know? But then, you know, later on, we also see the uh, the the business side where it's like, it's like, we can enjoy each other, but I'm still the king and you're still the queen. So this actually isn't all that nice after all. Yeah. Yeah. That, it was a pretty chilling moment when, like, I know we're skipping ahead here, but we're talking about it now. Um, When they into Allison's room and she's like the hour's late and she's like well the king wants you that that's it and it's like she really has no choice no bodily autonomy that's yeah it's a lot to deal with but that's the expectation right that's her job i mean to be fair <laughs> to, to be fair to that like basically rape that's a please no one ever take that sentence out of out of context uh but like we've seen what a brutal fuck from the game of thrones people looks like like they could do it from the back like drogo did and just like it just straight up like looks miserable like she looked like she didn't want to be there but like it could be worse well okay i'm sorry but if his back is rotting you don't think the front is either that's just disgusting well (laughs) poor girl you got me there. Yeah, he's probably not in the in the best shape. He's probably not the hottest dude. Probably wasn't yeah, the hottest th- dude to start off with. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm. She's probably just done fighting it. Not like literally fighting. I'm sure she would never like never had like a physical altercation with the king. But just like, I get the sense in this episode that she's just sort of resigned to her fate, and she's just sort of like sunk into a depression where she's just kind of stuck now. Yeah, she's like, this is my life. My father sold me to this. Yeah, Rhaenyra is fighting against it, and she's just sort of given into it. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So one of the things that we skipped over that we'll go back because we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that awkward, uh, the awkward sex in a second. But Damon specifically took Rhaenyra to see a play. And we know that the Game of Thrones people love their plays. No better way to show what the common folk think than by. Yeah, no, uh, no writer and director can resist a play within a play exactly it's it's just too good so we get to see it and we get to see basically that the entire crowd is uh not thrilled with the idea of having her be the queen which again she should probably have known but who was it in game of thrones that was in a very similar situation was it daenerys where like someone realized like they don't want you to come over like all they've known is death i think i can recall something like that but yeah i think so when she was seems i think it was daenerys and she seemed surprised that uh people didn't want her there because she was going to like kill a whole bunch of people to take the city yeah that's exactly it like i know you brush past that in like strategy meetings and stuff but you have to be aware that that's the reality of this right like you would 
think at least politically you'd have some kind of plan where it's like, hey, we just killed a bunch of their family. We got to make ourselves look nice now. Anyway. Well, I mean, Daenerys didn't think like that because she grew up thinking that Westeros was begging for the Targaryens back. So she thought like she was doing the good thing. That's true. That's neither here nor there. Um, but my former thought that left my brain came back when you brought up the play. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically something Mira mentioned when Damon is explaining to her that, hey, this is what the people think. They expect a male heir. This is what they want. This is what they're used to. And what did she say? She said, well, it's good that what they want doesn't matter or something along those lines. And to me, that just really showed how like immature and kind of naive she's being because if you basically make all of the small folk angry they're just going to rise up and you're going to lose your throwing your head either way so i just thought it was an interesting moment of like wow she's really spoiled little brat <laughs> yeah you can't rule over a, a long a long period of peace if nobody wants you there it's just you're you're bound to just not that you can't deal with it but like there's gonna be unrest and you have to expect that yeah Yeah. the exact quote i I just rewind to find it because it is a good line she says their wants are of no consequence so dismissive and it makes damon like laugh out loud because that's such a ridiculous statement (laughs) i think maybe he's appreciating how naive she is too Hmm? is that even a worse thing for a potential ruler to say like a ruler i know like they're playing the royal hierarchy games but technically a king or something is supposed to take care of their people and if she thinks their wants are of no consequence she's not going to be any better than cersei ended up being exactly like, something we could say yeah. like he's bad at surviving the game of thrones but king's landing seems to be pretty happy under viserys like we haven't heard it's been a long time. It's been now four years. I think he ruled for 10 years before the show started, right? Is that what they say? Nine years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a good chunk of time. We're talking about like basically a decade and a half. And like there's a little bit of stuff with the stepsons, but that got taken care of. But there haven't been any other things. And like, look at the people of King's Land. Like clearly he's doing something right. Or maybe just the lack of doing something super wrong is, is in fact doing something right. Yeah, sometimes but, uh, that's, that's equally as important. Yeah, and he does mention, I think it's in episode two, right, where he talks about his his goal is to avoid war until it's unavoidable. I think he has the correct perspective of a king. I think I think he generally has the people's interests at heart. Yep, I would agree with that. And, like, you also have to keep in mind, though, Viserys is pretty much um, following the status quo. He's, he's a male king. He's popping out heirs. He's keeping everyone kind of happy. And that's coming off of, what, 70 years of peaceful rule that Jaehaerys had before him. So he was kind of, like, set up for success. We're True. just seeing what he's doing with it. Yeah, he's he's taken the ball, but he's not, uh, he hasn't fumbled it. So while we're speaking of Viserys and, and uh, we're comfortable talking about, like, book differences, now that we're a, a good ways into this show, one of the things that we heard early on from, I think it was George R. R. Martin, was that Patty Considine imbued Viserys with a lot more depth than he did on the page. I remember us bringing that up in episode one. So Hannah, being a book reader, would you agree? I mean, it's going to be really controversial if you disagree with George here, but is that also your feeling? 
No, I, I would definitely agree with that. Like, in the book, Viserys is very much, like, he did this, he did that. Like, there's not much of his personality and good intentions going through. It's it's known that he was a good king, but without spoiling it, his legacy kind of is the biggest part of his character after the events of what's coming up. I don't know if I'm trying to be vague, but like basically the most important thing in the books about his character is that he named Princess Rhaenyra, he stuck to her as his heir, and he was a pretty chill king. Yeah, like, I mean... He's like a caring, nice guy. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, kind of one of those things that like history might forget those kind of people, but like they're still people. Exactly. And And there's lots of stuff that might not make it into something that, yeah, it's essentially a history book. I mean, without having any knowledge, again, I think we made a couple predictions relatively early on, so Matt and I can safely do it in Hannah. We'll just have to, unfortunately, uh, sit there silently. But it seems to me, like, because we know the word that we keep hearing is civil war. So it seems to me that the way the parties are aligned is you would have Alicent and Aegon. Because if there's going to be, like, a jump, then Aegon will be, like, a character maybe in the... Again, I I know nothing. I have I've been very diligent as to not know as to not look up any spoilers, but that would be my guess. That maybe next episode, the halfway point, that's when we'll lose Viserys. Then we'll have the time jump, because like they have adult actors who we've heard from. So like at some point we got to use them, right? They're not just going to show up for the the finale. So that would be my guess. And then I think the two sides going to be Allison. Aegon, who at that point will be capable of of talking and emoting and conversations and stuff like that. And then whoever sides with her and then boy, does it really seem I mean, I know that right now she's supposed to get engaged to Lainor. I mean, that might still happen where they keep that. But I mean, Damon's just a he's a wily little fuck, isn't he? So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to find some way for it's like, okay, Viserys is firstborn son versus some combination of pure valyrian blood is the way i would guess so i can see why that would like take over the narrative that like when viserys left there was no clear uh succession well there was a clear succession just wasn't a popular one just yeah it wasn't the one the people wanted is that what you think too or do you think something different i mean i had kind of assumed this the you know, expected civil war would between would be between Damon and Rhaenyra. I honestly hadn't considered uh, Aegon as part of that, but that probably makes more sense because if you know, assuming Aegon makes it, he has a stronger stronger um, claim than Damon would. Um, and I want to say that Alicent wouldn't um, sort of portray Rhaenyra like that, but this is Game of Thrones. So, um, you know, I, I think I might be foolish to not expect it um, at this point. So, yeah, I actually hadn't considered Aegon before, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and she's got to watch out for her kid because, I mean, like, you think they're just going to let Aegon wander around safe if uh, if Viserys goes and there's some sort of... But the thing that, like, because I know George R. R. Martin is a big fan of this gray morality, like, ooh, it's like a tough choice because which one does make more sense? So in that case, I could very easily see. I mean, it works with Lainor because then you got the Valyrian blood and like, what's his name? Her name, Rhaenys. Probably should have been queen originally. Mm-hmm. And it's got a lot of that good stuff. But to me, like the stronger claim and the thing that would really make it like a title fight would be you have Aegon, firstborn son of the of the former king, 
versus like a true blood Targaryen child of uh, Daemon and, and Rhaenyra. Like that would, I think, be the real time when people could sit around and be like, okay, but who does deserve to be king? Because that was like one of the everyone's favorite parts of Game of Thrones, right? Okay, mm-hmm. well, who does deserve to be king? Should it be Jon because he was Rhaegar's son? Or should it be Danny, Or should it be, uh, what's his dick, Baratheon, the, the blacksmith? Gendry. Gendry. Should it be Gendry? Yeah, the son of Bobby B. Like, who should be king? I think they like those type of discussions. I think it's good for the show. And I think the the most clear way that works. But obviously, that would mean something bad would happen have, have to happen to Lainor the next episode but yeah well something bad has to happen to somebody sometime soon not that it's been all good but there uh since the first episode we haven't really had a, a tragedy yet um don't but worry. yeah i, I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> i just said don't worry <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm sure it's coming we're well, watching yeah yeah and i've i've been been wondering because i know like i keep seeing people talk about um, you know, Rhaenyra and Damon, and it's like, you know, hey, they both got like light and dark, like they're very gray. There isn't necessarily like a defined good and bad guy. Um, and so I keep sort of waiting for like a bad guy moment for Rhaenyra because she's definitely like naive and rebellious, but she's hasn't done anything I think that would be considered that would make her be considered a bad guy yet. And so, you know, Maybe she, it would be a very Game of Thrones move if she, um, you know, strengthens her claim, you know, takes out uh, little baby Aegon or so, or something along those lines. I wouldn't be surprised because I've, I've, st- I've, since episode one, I've been waiting for her to kind of like for her heel turn and it hasn't really come yet. Um, so yeah, I'm, maybe it won't be some big dramatic thing, but I don't know. I, I could see that as well. I mean, the other thing that we know is that the Valerians, right? No, Val- Valerian. Valarians. Valarian. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. <laughs> yeah. The Valarians uh, do not really make it to Game of Thrones time, right? So They're still around. They're just a lesser house because they're so closely aligned with the Targaryens. Right, but do you see what There's I mean? There's some kind of precipitous fall at least yeah like it would be shocking if at the end of this it was if if it was uh Rhaenyra and Lainor and then like that just it just doesn't seem like it would line up and they do seem determined it's gonna come up a little later you know what? it's so fucking random that I don't have any problem talking about it now they are absolutely determined to keep reminding us what the end of game of motherfucking thrones it's gotten to the point where like the first episode Again, I watched the behind the episode or inside the episode or whatever, and they were like, we thought we should connect them. And I think everyone was like, no, you shouldn't have. But at this point, have they brought up a reference to prophecy in some form every episode? It's only episode two that I'm not certain of if they brought it up. They definitely have in the rest. Yeah. See, but for me, it's, it's not a big deal because like prophecy is a huge thing to House Targaryen. So if they weren't talking about it, I would be confused. Like, I mean, I get like as a show watcher, it's like, yeah, we trying to forget that. But like, and also the whole cat's paw dagger having like the prophecy on it. And that's what kills the Night King, like seriously. But um, no, I, I, I don't think it's like super weird that they're talking about it. It's like the next big thing in their family. I mean, but in a book you can have all those sorts of extra details and it's not that big of a deal. When you have a TV show that's only an hour 
you really have to be so judicious with what you put in it. And they've intentionally put a lot of meaningful scenes into telling us about this. So I wouldn't be surprised. Like At this point, it kind of feels like Chekhov's prophecy. Like If they get through the end of the season, even, let alone the series, get through the end of the season without some weird twist with the prophecy... I would be like, well, why the hell did you put that in every episode? Like, I get that they think, but they keep, they just use a lot of screen time on this thing that we know the way it goes. It just seems very bizarre, like writing wise to me. Well, and I think it makes a lot of sense that they would talk about the prophecy. Like, it makes sense that that would be there. It's just a little bit unfortunate that it's like the specific events of that they're referring to in the prophecy and the kind of like MacGuffin that's used um, not to explain it, but like as a, as a big part of that are some of the worst parts of the original show. So it's like, even if it makes sense, they'd talk about it. It's just like, it's like if I was writing, it'd be like, mm, maybe we should avoid specifically talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the long night or something like that. Cause actually the long night lasted maybe like 90 minutes. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's <laughs> just it's another one of those things like rewatching the beginning of game of Thrones where it sort of like retroactively makes other things worse. Cause it's like, you should be able to call back to that and have it be like, Oh yeah, no, that's really important. But then that's completely undercut by the fact that we saw it play out and it was actually not very important at all. See, yeah. this is a total sidebar, but it's game of Thrones related. I listened to the season eight redo of game of Thrones it's a podcast where they basically like fans rewrote it as a fan fiction and it's fantastic. They record it with voice actors. Mm. And if that had been the actual ending, you, it, it would all make sense. So I'm just saying like, we just, we just, maybe we have to forget season eight exists. Yeah. And it, and it's unfortunate because it makes sense that they would talk about it. And I understand the importance of prophecy. It's just unfortunate that like the specific <laughs> events when we saw them play out, we're just so bad. No, I agree. Because, like, the whole Song of Ice and Fire, part of the prophecy of the prince who was promised, it amounted to fuck all in the show. Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to be super important. So it's just, it's it's kind of a, I get, I get where you guys are coming from. Well, yeah. then, yeah, It's not the this real. show's fault that it doesn't work. No, 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 no not at all. But, like, you got to think that the, the writers behind this show... One of which is George R. R. Martin. Like Ryan Condal, I'm sure, is aware of the reception. I, I, Miguel Tapatrick is aware of the reception. Actually, you know what? Something that occurred to me last week. We were talking about, like when I was editing the episode, we were talking about filler episodes. I think actually, generally, the last great episode of Game of Thrones is a filler episode. Like, I think it's episode two of season eight, where they're just hanging around on the wall, and they get to all have their character moments. It's like, that, that might actually be the last good episode of Game of Thrones. You know, the filler episode. Hmm. But anyway, so they're not, a, they're not unaware of the just enormous beating that the reputation has taken become that. So do you think that they're going to pull a, the night King had a second health bar or like that was actually (laughs) not the night King. That was the emissary of the night King or like, because what else could they be doing with Jon Snow's like sequel series? So, are they going to try and use Jon Snow's sequel series? Will it be like Star Wars Episode Nine somehow? <laughs> the Night King is still alive, or something along those lines, and they're going to try and redeem the prophecy with 
some bullshit that they do in the sequel series, or is that too far-fetched? No, they said better, because... I am so, like, as a book reader, a fan of the whole Azura High Nissa Nissa story. And it just, it really did not turn out right. And the whole, like, from book one, we are invested in the prince who was promised and the and the meeting of ice and fire and all of this stuff and all of these symbols. You cannot tell me that they cannot fix that. There's enough lore to fix that if they do it properly in the TV show. And I don't even care if, like, maybe Daniel come back and be the Ice Queen and he has to kill her again. Fine, whatever. Just fix it. <laughs> See, I, I don't know. I, I kind of go the opposite way where it's like, it's like obviously it didn't go how I wanted it to. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I really believe that, like, when you're when you make something, whether it's, like, a show or a book or, like, a musical performance or whatever, you just got to, like, present it as is. And, like, you have to stand behind it because, like, if you, the people that made it, don't, why should anybody else? And I, I don't really like when, um, like, series can definitely adjust and, like, change course due to reception. But I don't like when things um, kind of join in on, like, the the making fun of themselves or or the dismissal, dismissal of, its, of what you've done previously. Um, like, you know, an example, like Thor Ragnarok, really great change, of course, it's a great movie. Um, but I still really dislike the moment when they just sort of like offhand kill all of Thor's friends. And they're like, yeah, you guys didn't care about them anyway. But it's like, yeah, but Thor should, the movie should care about this. I know we don't. Um, but I see, so yeah, I don't, I don't really like the, like, going back and being like, we you know you guys didn't like this. And it's like, to me, that's just an even like further dismissal and then reinforces the fact that I shouldn't care about what came before. Yeah. That's the thing valid. that I've seen that, uh, the thing that I've seen that I didn't realize was annoying. And then someone pointed out, I'm like, you know, I think I've laughed every time it came up, but I, I am near my limit is someone I saw on Twitter. They made a compilation of every time in a Marvel movie, they made fun of someone's name. And it's like, yeah, it like yeah. individually they do work, but when you line them up like that, it does like, like we have an Ant Man and a Spider Man. Uh, like, does he shoot webs out of his butt? And then like, in I just watched the No Way Home extended cut as Hannah knows because she was there, and like they have that moment where they make like Otto Octavian, which honestly, not even that bad a name, right? It was like no. Otto Octavian, and they all just like kind of burst out laughing. I think that's actually the the most egregious one because I thought that the, the Doctor yeah. Strange with with Peter in Infinity War is probably the best version of it because Peter is so sincere that they're not laughing at it. But I'm like, that's true. They are kind of like pointing out, like, aren't these comic book names dumb? It's like, no, <laughs> his name is Otto Octavius. His name is, we call him Doc Ock. And that's something that we've all accepted be- when we bought a ticket to the movie. Yeah, it's like, it's like Dickon in season seven. It's like, yeah, it's kind of funny to us but it's a very normal name within the world and it shouldn't be funny. Yeah. Even if yeah. it works for a joke. But that you did bring up a good point. Like, I mean, you know what? Maybe we'll bring it up under the North podcast. Maybe better yet. We'll bring it up over beers in person one day because I was going to ask. So do you not like the fact that they did the mass effect extended cut because they changed their art when something clearly needs to be fucked up? Because like, I mean, Game of Thrones is probably one of the few things that could rival Mass Effect 
in terms of like absolutely fucking up the ending. So are they going to do a Game of Thrones extended cut? Should Bio should Casey Hudson, who's not with Bioware anymore, I don't think. Should he be calling up George R. R. Martin and say, I have a experience in this field. <laughs> I can try to reclaim the glory of old. That's just yeah, a I weird turn. I don't mind. <laughs> sorry. I don't mind um, adding on or like, I don't mind adding on um, as long as it's not like a, like a gotcha fix where it's like, it's like, ah, you thought this is the ending, but it's not actually this time we're going to do it right. I swear. See, and that, but then if you were, cause if you were to go through it again, it, it, um, it just really undercuts the stuff that happens the first time where it's like, okay, but you know, now I know this isn't the actual ending. So none of this matters and I don't need to care. Let's just get to the real one. You know, I, I I'm fine with adding on to just, you know, let stuff breathe or, or, you know, uh, add some interest or whatever. But yeah, I, I don't like when it's, when it makes the stuff that came before does not matter. It can't all be a dream. Basically is what we're going Exactly. With, yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't want a second health bar. Yeah. Doesn't mean to be a dream, but I could think of a couple things that would make stuff work. Well, you know I'm what? I'm really desperate for like a good ending for my favorite characters, and I don't think George R. R. Martin is gonna like deliver anytime soon. So that's just me. I'm very good. I might because I, I'm a big fan of the uh, Nando V movies as a YouTube channel, and he does a lot of rewrites, and I, I listen to all of them. And like you know, for better or for worse, they're usually at least more interesting than the dead that he's comparing them to. So I would definitely, uh, I'm going to check out Off Air. Please send me the name of that, that podcast. Yeah, that's tell me awesome. now, I will forget. So don't even bother. But maybe type I'll it in the you, chat. I'll uh, send you guys the link after, but yeah. Perfect. So yeah, let's continue naturally to talk about the episode. So, you know, as you guys pointed out, I didn't even really necessarily appreciate it the first time. Like I did with the sex scene, but really like the bulk of this episode is just comparing what a night is like between these two ladies. And this isn't the average night for Rhaenyra, whereas it probably is an average night for Alicent. But Rhaenyra gets to go out and she gets some excitement. She steals like an apple from a cart, uh, which is another extremely Aladdin moment. Very interesting, though. Um, could you, uh, Hannah, being the lore master, what's the meaning of uh, Damon not cutting her dick off or stealing an apple? Because it's very inconsistent with his character from the first episode. I think he has a little bit more invested in um, her female dick than an apple, I would say. That's true. Bad, bad writing. His show is flawed. It's just flawed. Throw it in the trash heap with Lord of the Rings. Inconsistencies. <laughs> actually, can, can I just say, while we're in Off Topic Island, I actually quite dug the most recent episode of Rings of Power. Matt, whenever I know. I know we were supposed to record yesterday and then I forgot. Um, but whenever the hell we record the next episode of Nerds of the North, I think it's like it's corrected, corrected path a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I'm, I'm still sure an episode behind, but the second one was much better than the first. So, you know, up and up. Yes, I think there's a consistent upward trajectory. So then we see Allison. So, I mean, Rhaenyra's out having fun. Allison takes a drink, probably of wine, have a little booze, go to sleep. This did make me think. Um, not necessarily for Allison, although maybe she wants it too, but certainly for Viserys. Like you see them sleeping in separate beds, which is, I guess, not entirely uncommon even for modern people. I remember seeing a Twitter thread one time. It was like normalize sleeping in different beds even when you're married. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, but like for someone as lonely and soft as Viserys, I'm kind of surprised he doesn't have like an official royal cuddler. Like I could see that being <laughs> a job for somebody. 
There's professional cuddlers in 2022. While he falls asleep. Does it sound that weird? This guy. Hey, I mean, needs you're it. the king. You can have literally whatever you want. Well, yeah. but like common practice in those days for kings and queens to have their own separate chambers and suites and stuff like that. Just depends on how much you like your spouse. If you use both sets of rooms, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like it, I saw it and I wasn't like, this is extremely unusual. It just kind of occurred to me that, like. <laughs> I, I can see Viserys is a little spoon is what I'm getting at. That's just I'm I'm 100 percent confident in that. He's the. Would you want to touch the back though? No, well, he'll, he'll wear a nightshirt. It'll be fine. Uh, for also for the right amount of money, that's the king's back. You will touch it and like it. <laughs> that's the yes exactly. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so then. Uh, Alice or not, Rhaenyra is running around. She gets caught by a guard, which apparently is one of the strong brothers, like Lionel Strong's sons. This is Breakbones, supposedly. The strongest knight in the realm, which is like just a little bit weird to see that he's like regular guy sized. What after Game of Thrones, uh, like the strongest knight of the realm, I'm expecting to see someone at least 6'6. They can't all be Gregor Clegane, or they can't all be Gregor Clegane. But like, there's seven kingdoms. This is the strongest (laughs) guy. The, the strongest knight in the realm before was also literally the strongest human alive in real life, so. Yeah. But he, his last name is Strong because that's the name of his house. I know, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes George is just a little too on the nose. I suppose so. Like, he definitely writes a story, thinks that was cool, and then later on gives them the name. Like, I remember hearing, uh, like, a, like, one of those backstory things about, like, there's someone called the Black Swan. Like they're a member of House Swan and then they did something. Now they're called the Black. I'm like, you definitely wrote what they did and then named them Swan because it'd be fun. That being said, George R. R. Martin, the best of the biz at monikers. He's pretty good. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so then as we already, t- we kind of already discussed this part, but then uh, you get the two sex scenes put together. So you get to see Allison just <laughs> not having a good time. Doesn't look like she's necessarily, as you said, Matt, we're comparing um we're we're comparing degrees of sexual assault yeah not, nothing here is normal by our standards uh yeah no. we don't all within the all within the rules of the world we don't like this but she doesn't seem to be like in pain she's not chained down or something she just seems to be not having a good time in fact there's probably a fair amount of people out there right now who are like yeah this this sounds like a realistic portrayal of sex during marriage. It's one of my, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, one of my all-time favorite movies, which is apparently is getting a remake by Ryan Reynolds. What? Is Clue? Have you guys seen Clue the movie? No. No. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's one of the all-time great comedies, in my opinion. It also got released, fun fact, tangent about Clue the movie, uh, in theaters, it got three separate endings, and you would not know which one you got when you bought your ticket. So you would leave, and you'd be like, "It's Mr. It's uh, Mr. Plum," and then your friend would be like, "Actually, it was Miss Peacock." What are you talking about? And they were different endings. Very clever. Anyway, so at some point, they keep talking about the dead people because it's Clue, there's murders, and uh, someone says, "Life after death is as impossible as sex after marriage." <laughs> you know those old things where everyone hates their mm-hmm. spouse. That was just humor for a long, for a long time. <laughs> Open up an old book. Anyway, so then here's the here's the where we can get. Uh, I think Hannah's our resident conspiracy theorist. So I'm What's gonna that? pass the mic to you. 
Oh, uh, Damon takes off the fashionable beanie once they get to the brothel. The super public brothel. Like, there's a You're lot of people Sprouse. in here. Yeah. <laughs> You're not Zach. So. <laughs> it was Cody all along. I'm pretty sure his motives were very plain by the end of the episode when Viserys is grilling him about it. But he pretty much wanted Rhaenyra to be seen there and he wanted that rumor to start because if she's, like he said, I'll take her as she is. I want her. I'm I'm down for this. This was all part of his plan to like secure himself a, a niece wife kind of situation. To ruin her just a little bit so he was the only one who would be. So and like, he'd I'm, still technically make a good match for her on Targaryen paper. As Alyssa said, Targaryens have strange ways of doing things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that dissimilar from the potential Viserys and Lena match, where it's like, this is fucked up, but it does make sense. Yep. But yeah, like, and in the moment, watching it the first like, time... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. Like, there also is, like, that attraction between them like we're watching this in 2022 and we're like that's grooming yeah that's they've been playing fault. it out that's not right but you can tell like she she wants it for whatever reason it's it's a little bit better than the whole 12 year old fuzzy haired chick i'm glad that you were the one that said that and not matter <laughs> because i agree with you but i'm very happy i didn't say it out loud on recording yeah, hey, well, I mean, well, like it's again for us, it's gross, but it's an established thing in this world that they do, and then it's not even strictly within this family. It's like pure bloodlines is like a a very important thing, and also who wouldn't want Matt Smith? I mean, probably relatives of Matt Smith, but you know, even then, I think it's like someone pointed out that at the end of it, like Rhaenyra's relation to Lainor is. Like they're second cousins, and in a lot of U.S. states, that's not even considered incest. Like it's legal. So uh, there's probably a lot of people out there who are like, "Yeah, it's not that weird." That's but fine. I think, yeah, that uh, one's at least like reasonable. Yeah, that's out, out of all the things, that's the, the least bad. For yeah, sure. when they but, said that, it's like, oh, finally, one that I don't have to feel weird about. <laughs> yes. Oh, finally, two children getting married, and they're only second cousins. It's not that bad. But I think that Damon as all manipulators do, I think that he actually genuinely believed a lot of the stuff that he was saying, like when he was talking to her early. And I think that's why he was so good at, at being manipulative because Damon he believes everything. Like, sorry to cut you off, but Damon is a hundred percent here for her. He's like, she is my, um, my Rainies, which I mean, Rainies like Aegon's second wife, who was actually in love with Aegon the Conqueror. Like she is, she is my dragon queen. I want her, and he's gonna do whatever he can to get her. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And when he's giving yeah, her the yeah, advice yeah, about yeah, like, but yeah, yeah I, but I mean, when he was talking to her beforehand about like, hey, you like marriage? It doesn't have to be a trap. Like your royalty. You can like you could both get married for political reasons, still do what you want. And then she's kind of been stuck in that castle the entire time, not able to have fun. And clearly he correctly read some sexual frustration that she was going through. I mean, she has like, you know, dreamboat Crispin. I'm going to keep calling him Crispin intentionally, by the way, <laughs> just to fizz him up. Uh, she's got dreamboat Crispin speaks outside, of, standing outside her room every night. Like there's definitely been some some thoughts there. So he probably correctly. uh 
correctly reads the situation and fuses um, what she wants with good advice to get what he wants. Sorry, Matt, I know yep. you talk somewhere in there. Oh, yeah, I know it's all good. Like in, um, yeah, fir- first time through, it was just sort of taking things at face value. Like I sort of, I took him taking off her hat when they got into the brothel is just like, you know, like we're not in public anymore. Like we can just do whatever, like, um, and not worry about it. Now, obviously, seems like a ploy to get her recognized. And like this, his, his sort of scheme, I think, to, uh, to end up marrying her not actually a bad plan again weird to say but like um because you know that's also another established thing within this world you can uh dishonor someone and then marry them and that's honorable you know then that would be like an allowed thing um so again weird to say you like to see the scheming when when it involves uh you know sexual relations with your niece but uh but it was it was good to see some more like yeah it's like political scheming back. I was gonna say backdoor. I should not say that in this context. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> whoops. Um, but yeah, it was good to see some scheming. Yes, and then we have uh, I think the honestly the three best shot. Uh, sex scenes I think potentially in all of, of Game of Thrones and it's no secret that the, the director for this episode was a woman her name was Claire I forget her last name I, I read it at the beginning I made a note of it and now I've forgotten it but um, the director was a woman in this particular scene and, and she does say in the behind the episode that she really wanted to say that she'll want to show what sex is like from the, the woman's perspective especially in this world so you kind of get a few different versions of it so we'll talk about Allison first which is I mean it's just like kind of heartbreaking for everyone involved because as we said he's not doing the cal drogo like doggy style basically masturbating with another person's body thing like i've just i was re-watching it while you guys were talking it's it's so hard to watch in like a a weird combination of emotions way like viserys grabs her hand and then at one point he like caresses her cheek and then she looks over and just like flashes like a tiny smile like he I don't think he's naive enough to think that she actually like is really into him back, but like he's, he's like trying to have this be a nice thing. Yeah. He's trying. And like, she's also making the effort. They're just, it's just literally never going to happen for those two. It's just not realistic based off of each of their situations. It's like, that's kind of heartbreaking in a variety of ways. And then you get um, the scene with Damon and Rhaenyra and by the way, it's been confirmed. I think I mentioned it to uh, at least Hannah last night. But Matt, you hadn't seen the episode. It's been confirmed in the behind the episode. You know, before I say that, Matt, pressure's on, buddy. Mm-hmm. Why did Damon stop? Why did what, sorry? Why did Damon stop? Um, so my take watching the scene the first time was that it was kind of a control thing because like he turns Rhaenyra around to face the wall and she's like kind of gets into it and turns herself back around to try and like be more in control and then he seems to be a bit turned off by that I mean literally turned off by that Um, and so I kind of took it initially as um, I'm this is this I'm here to take what I want 
this is not about you. And you, and as soon as it became about her, he was not into it anymore. Could also see it as just like, we've done enough for us to have been seen. We don't need to do any more mission accomplished. Now it can go. I could see it both or either way. Okay. So when I watched it, I like you read into it in a big, bad way. The way I went was like, he knows that he's like fucking his niece and that is weird. And he's like, he's so far been a pretty reasonable character. So maybe that's a line that's too far from to cross, but he thinks it's his best political move because of everything we talked about, right? Like then she'll be ruined and then he can marry her and then have the kid and that kid will have a stronger. I read all that into it. Um, and that's what I thought. The truth of the matter, according to uh, the writers and director, is that he couldn't get it up. He was impotent. He was soft. He was pushing my favorite phrase of all time. Everyone out there, feel free to use it at to as much or as little as you want. He was pushing rope. Is what he was doing. <laughs> that honestly seems like a bit of a lame reason, to be honest. Right? And I also, like my reasons better. At all. Agreed. Yeah. Sorry, Hannah, go ahead. Like, it was not conveyed at all. Like, no. that, that, that that was, it seems like he was frustrated. Because he, like, slaps the wall and just, like, fucks off. But it could be any sort of number of things. And then later in the episode, um, she, she, I don't know if she made this up or like it actually happened, but she says, Oh, we went to a bunch of taverns and stuff in and out before everything. And I'm like, Did they seriously give like Damon Targaryen whiskey dick? Really? Yeah. I think, I mean, <laughs> when you watch the scene knowing that that's what they were going for, you can get that reading of it. And there was also the thing in the first episode where he couldn't get it up. Right. And that's why she asked, hey, do you want to get someone with silver hair like uh, whatever her, her name is? Um, the white worm. Nasaria. I think is her, yeah. Nasaria. And it's Nasaria. Um, Nasaria. Great, another, by the way, great moniker. The white worm. Like, it just sounds so good. Anyway, so that's clearly a theme for for Damon. But people, this would have been the time if it was a prosthetic. Give us Matt Smith flaccid cock in this scene, because it would have oh been really God. the only way for us to. For, to know that and i don't think a lot of people are watching the behind the episode so unless they listen to a podcast that did or like our podcast for example there's probably literally millions of people out there right now debating exactly why damon stopped without knowing the truth of what they were going for and like it's so easy to see with this show to do what matt and i just did and i presume hannah you also had your own theories yeah uh, to, to, it's so like there's so many things you could read out of that scene that says like oh it's just such a i mean it's kind of thematically appropriate i guess for what eventually happened such an anti-climax to find out that he was just soft but the first time i watched it i was like was he just like quick off the mark and he's embarrassed or something <laughs> like it was so ambiguous i wasn't sure but yeah that was odd yeah definitely a bit of uh uh a, a bit of a, a bit of a miss on that one it's like if if it's if it's not even like oh maybe it was this if it doesn't even come up as that it wasn't that effective mm-hmm. yep completely agreed so then i mean rhaenyra is now 
I felt very bad for her in this situation. She kind of ditches her and then he walks away and then she's kind of stuck there, like putting on her clothes. Like she's the princess and she's never been outside. And she's stuck on a horse. So I guess Damon's got to like run away to like save his face, I suppose. I to go get his cups, I guess. Yeah, but like, man, it's just, uh, you could not have left the princess in a worse situation. But luckily she knows her way through the city now and she is able to make her way back. And then she's clearly revved up. And she's going to get a car to park in her garage. Doesn't matter whose car it is. And then good old Kristen is there. And she looks at him, grabs the helmet, does a little bit of, I, I would say, very childish flirtation. And then eventually he gives in. Um, and this, I presume, may be a very bad decision, especially for Kristen, because this is treason we're talking about. Sleeping with the princess? Thank God Damon like almost had sex there to cover up for him. But I, I don't think this will be the last we, we hear of this little scene. See, and it's funny because it's already happened. I can say that, like, in the book, the rumor is that Damon took her virtue. And, um, like, like that happens in this episode. But it's, it's, it's a widely accepted rumor that that's what happened. And Viserys was not too pleased about it. And it was never confirmed that she was with Kristen Cole, but because of some stuff that happens later, it was speculated that that's what happened. So it's cool to see, like, the truth come out when in the book it was just, like, mysterious, kind of. Yeah, interesting. So what I heard poking around as safe as I could online was that in the book, especially with, like, there, I mean, there's Mushroom and there's, like, a maester, right? So apparently yeah. Mushroom's version of events was that Rhaenyra and Damon were having like a lot of sex in preparation for her to try and seduce Kristen and then Kristen turns her down. And that's like the the drama according to Mushroom, but apparently also just everything in Mushroom's version is a lot hornier than it appears in the show. But like <laughs> this is a very like the the show and the book are now in this very interesting, like, what's rumor versus what's the documentary version of events in, I think, a very pleasing way. And it's going to actually make me potentially, like, if I can find, uh, I'm never going to read it, let's be honest, but I can find, like, an audible version of Fire and Blood it's and, like, check audible, it out. It. Oh, perfect. Yeah, then I'll, I'll probably check that out because now we have this, like, really interesting interplay. It's like, okay, well, this is the rumor, but it actually went a little something, something like this. Um, but it also, I thought that this was just a really well shot. Uh, and again, don't bonk me and put me in horny jail. But this was just a really well shot sex scene, just particularly because pretty much every other Game of Thrones sex scene we've seen has the male gaze, the male perspective. And I thought this was really focused on, as Damon and Rhaenyra were talking about earlier, her pleasure and what she's getting out of this. And then when you compare this scene with Alicent, you get to understand that Alicent is probably a really common experience for women of this age. I mean, well, like on a side note to cut you off, like Alice's experience is a really common experience for women in general. Like the whole like starfish or limp mattress, like joke that that's based in what happens when women aren't into it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like, as far, especially, I mean, that, that's what I meant earlier. It's probably a pretty, a lot of people probably saw themselves in Allison in that moment, but also um, 
you could easily say it based off what we've seen from other sex scenes in this show. And by this show, I'm including the original series, of course, that like Viserys, not her not being in pain and Viserys like touching her face and grabbing her hand. She's probably in the upper echelon of more enjoyable sex that that women have had in Westeros. And then like this Rhaenyra, I'm going to need to throw it to you guys in a second because my voice is now cutting out. Um, But Rhaenyra has this like once in a lifetime, potentially beautiful romantic romance with Prince Charming here. Literally a night that she takes the armor off of like I don't have ovaries and they were still weeping for that moment. Yeah, no, Rhaenyra got it. I think I texted you that on Snapchat. I was like, get it? Like, that was like the 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 most perfect experience she could have had given her position in the world. Pun not intended. Yeah, and it was also just like, <laughs> I thought a very well executed scene, you know, like just like filmmaking wise, um, you know, like you feel good for her in this and you get like, you know, moments with like Kristen Cole, like, taking off the king's guard's cape before sleeping with the princess and something like that you know you can sort of see that that like tension in him like there were there were really good moments in in this scene you know it was like it was nice for Rhaenyra but it was also just like very well made it was really cool to see the conflict kind of on his face when he's like she's putting all of his armor on the ground and he's like no not the cloak that goes on the chair I'm betraying everything this stands for, but it goes on the chair anyway, you know? Like, yeah, I'm fully really about cool. to betray this, but don't you. Yeah, just also the whole time, I'm like so scared for him. Where it's like, if just like anyone happens to walk by, it's like, you're probably getting executed. Yeah, you should probably be worried about both heads right now, sir. <laughs> Not just the yeah, fun one. He just, he just defiled the princess. Whew. Yes, and like you could tell, I mean, first of all, we know that George R. R. Martin is a horny bastard. If anyone should get bonked and thrown in horny jail, it's George R. R. Martin because there's just a lot of this stuff in his stories. But he's also clearly such a big fan of like pretty much every order that he has has to like have a vow of chastity. So that can be ooh the forbidden. Like it just reminded me of like John and Egret, right? It's like, oh, yeah, they're not supposed to have sex. And here's a wildling girl. So, yeah, it, well, he's clearly even, a big fan of that. It's even more funny, too, because, like, it's not just any Knight of the King's guard. It's her personal guard. Like, you can't come up with any more kind of, like, textbook romance novel situation, you know? Yeah, exactly. Know. It's straight out of a fairy tale in a kind of a fucked up way. But it is nice that you get, like, at least for her in that moment. It is nice yeah. that they have this kind of like the stars aligned and like a good moment happened for both. And also good for him. You know, I mean, bad for him. Really a tremendous mistake, to be clear. But, but you know, good for him. I wonder what, like, I wonder what he thought after he heard the rumor about Damon and stuff. And he's like, wait, but we just. And she came running back from. Am I Did sloppy I seconds? Him Targaryen, right? Am I tunnel buddy? Is he like really reconsidering going down on her? Is he like, did I just? I mean, <laughs> is this the blood of the dragon? Anyway, uh, let's let's move on from that uncomfortable thought to some more uncomfortable scenes. So we have Otto confronting Viserys about the idea that Damon and uh, Rhaenyra. I'll say it because Otto can't. 
fucked. And uh, man, what a weird place for this show to make me feel bad for Otto. But yeah. boy, did I. I was so proud of a series. I, I even though like he was totally off base because like Otto technically wasn't lying or exaggerating this circumstance for once. And Viserys is just like, I am done with you. It was awesome. Oh, I totally skipped ahead to the last scene. I'm so sorry. You definitely did. But I mean, you're not far off where Viserys is. Ba- I mean, he basically blames the messenger. So maybe like he is yeah. clearly brothers with Damon because that's essentially what Damon did uh, the previous week. But like, I mean, Otto, he's deep down somewhere. He's probably happy that this happened because it's really bad news for Damon. But I, I also kind of think that, like, if Otto could choose for both him to get what he wants and for Viserys to be happy, he would. Like, I know there have been the theories of, like, maybe Otto was, like, uh, maybe Emma didn't actually need the C-section, or maybe they could have done something better. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't think there's been enough there to buy in that Otto is actively killing Viserys. I think that there is some sort of, like, at least respect so i i maybe it's just that reese fons is such a phenomenal actor but i did truly believe that otto was not thrilled to be having that discussion in that moment i i believe you except i kind of think for otto like he didn't want to be having it because one wants to bring that news to the king but also he's been trying to like undermine and shove off to the side Rhaenyra and Damon for years now so he's like this is the perfect opportunity for me I just have to look really verklempt because the king is going to be pissed yeah not happy to be delivering it but probably still at least a little happy that it happened yeah Yeah. and well I'd also imagine he had um, some worry about what ended up happening was that like this is still the king and no one wants to tell the king very bad news that's likely to make him really angry right because it's like he can just decide it was like no that's a lie you're lying you're fired exiled executed etc whatever um you know it's it can be a dangerous job telling the king bad news well he literally went to like from this is the information Viserys. And then Viserys goes, who told you this? I will rip out their eyes. Like that would scare me if the king of a continent is screaming that, you know, like, you can do that. You can have that done. Just yeah. not mine, please. Right. And of course, uh, Otto using his like rights as a journalist to be like, I cannot reveal my source. Sir. Right. <laughs> it's like, Otto, man. Probably should have given somebody up there. Anyway, so then we have an incredibly awkward morning after scene with Kristen and Rhaenyra. And then she gets kind of confronted. Not kind of. She gets definitely confronted by Allison uh, about exactly what happened. And Matt, you were talking about Rhaenyra's heel turn. I thought I thought this was it. Like she doesn't just dispute the claims. And in the in the inside of the episode, uh, Rhaenyra's actress, Millie Alcock, who, by the way, what a tragedy it will be to lose these two actresses. I'm sure their older oh, yeah. actresses will also be good, but like, man, have they been good. People are already pissed off about them leaving and being like, who are these older people that are coming in? And then the actors are all having to remind people. It's like, they're actually the main ones. We're just the young versions. 
Yeah, we've just been subbing and it's going to be them for most of the series. But, like, they've just been so good. But, I mean, so in the inside the episode, Millie Alcock said, well, she doesn't technically lie to Allison. And that is some bullshit. The part where she doesn't technically lie is that she says she didn't have sex with Damon. That part is, you're correct, it's not technically lying. But she then just keeps going. So, yeah. Anna, you when talked swears about... swears on the memory of her mother, I'm like, hey, yeah. I liked your mother. I, I know. know. Not when, good. When, what did she say to, to Allison? Like, how could you think that of me? Or why would you think that of me? I would never do such a thing. Like, the gaslighting was just superb by her. It was just... Yeah, this was. I didn't, uh, I didn't know she had that in her, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I also understand in her position, she'd be really screwing herself over if she actually just like came out and admitted to it. So I understand she has to play some like personal defense. Um, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best best to see from her. Yeah, especially because like I think Allison is like upset but also partly worried for her because the last time that these two talked there was some sort of reconciliation so this wasn't the queen confronting the princess about fucking the prince i mean it was a little bit but it was also allison confronting rhaenyra about making a huge potential mistake something that's gonna like really divide the land and cause a lot of problems but yeah you're exactly right hannah this is like a plus textbook gaslighting so you thought like maybe they didn't show the tavern stuff. I thought that was just every part of that was bullshit. I thought she took the story and she ran with it. She did that classic thing when people get accused of stuff where they like go then they and go like full of, Yeah, and they go full offensive. Like, how could you accuse me of that? How could you like they just go like too hard to try and get they like anti bluff, basically is what they're doing. So I was like, Oh, Renira, uh no. See, Not good. But I think I think part of Rhaenyra's motivation for going so above and beyond with that was like obviously a horrible thing to get out, but Alicent's son is Rhaenyra's like de facto replacement. So if Alicent's not convinced that she's lying, Viserys is very stand by his daughter, but like Alicent has some sway with him, right? So like she kind of is like, well, if she if she figures out the truth or doesn't believe me. I'm really screwed right now. So she maybe like laid it on extra thick, but it was just a great performance, honestly. Oh yeah, Marvel's acting performance, but as far as like Rhaenyra taking a turn from like kind of naive character who like wants the world and, and all this kind of stuff, this was like a, a this was her first real like move in the Game of Thrones, so to speak, I thought. And where she uh became more gray like her uh, her uncle. Yeah, that makes sense because you can see how she can easily resort to manipulation when things aren't going her way or she has to cover something up, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it was so hard to uh, to listen to her swear and her mother. So then we get another scene with Damon. He's dragged in by the Kingsguard. Viserys pulls out that cat's paw dagger to remind us that he's got it and he threatens it. And he banishes Damon once again. But the interesting thing about this scene is that Damon doesn't deny it. In fact, he goes along with it, right? Like he 
claims that it did happen. So now you have him and Rainier telling different stories. I'm sure that won't come up again, he said sarcastically. But what this made me think, and Matt, I haven't heard from you in a little bit, so I'm going to go to you. Does this change how you feel about the scene from episode one with the king for a day? Because Damon's clearly, if he sees something and he sees Viserys is angry enough, like this is almost the exact same situation. It didn't actually happen, but Viserys thinks it did because Otto told him. And so he's just going to go along with it because it's easier than fighting it. Does it make you rethink the king for a day? Um, I don't know if it makes me rethink it, but it it definitely kind of solidifies um, some things about Damon for me, where it's like, you know, he's sort of openly been against people who are openly against his family. Um, but he's very okay with working behind the scenes to position himself to take over. Um, you know, he's not going to like lead a coup against the king. I mean, you know, who knows? But, you know, from what I've seen from so far, I wouldn't expect that. But he'll, you know, get seen sleeping with his niece so that she can only marry him and then he positions himself for the throne kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I I wasn't like this for me is still like in line with with Damon's character. I don't think it, it made me really like reevaluate anything about him. But do you think that he said the king for a day or do you think that he said oh, oh, intention that that Otto thought he did like i mean this is clearly damon yeah i agree he's, he's playing the game but earlier on it was kind of ambiguous like did he say it did he not like he didn't disagree so we have to just trust that he did and yet now we have a situation where he didn't do something and he's still going along with it so to me like if i had to guess i would say no he probably didn't say king for a day or, or air for a day or if he did because Damon was actually being fairly respectful to his family at the funeral. Maybe it was like a more of a, um, like an honorific. And then when Otto told it, he like made it sound like more slanderous, you know, that part was the one that made me think, okay, do we need to revisit that earlier scene? Because of now what we know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I, I I can really go both ways to that. I do that too much. I'll pick a side. I feel like he did say it. I would lean that way. I think I think that for Damon would be on the side of um that's not really directly against my family. It's absolutely in like poor taste. But you know, so sleeping with your niece. Um uh, <laughs> so I, I I could see that as something to Damon that would be acceptable. He's not he's not bad mouthing the king. You know, he's like the person he's bad mouthing is like it doesn't matter so much anymore because he unfortunately died um and it's someone who is in his way of gaining power where he's like viserys has the power you don't fuck with him but everybody else like someone has to come after and i want to position myself for that to be me so i could see it see i don't think he said it I I go back to that scene in the other episode where was it um Corliss who said something about the king where he sort of like said something bad about him and he's like don't talk about my brother like that. Damon... Yeah, that was Corliss and Damon I think at the end of episode 2. two? I will yeah. speak of my brother you will not. Yeah. So I think Damon is fine with like 
challenging his family and like being an asshole to them and manipulating them as he's obviously doing with Rhaenyra right now for whatever reason. But I don't think he would outright say something like that, that he knows would hurt his brother for no other reason than just to hurt him, kind of. Maybe I think, maybe I'm seeing a little bit too much light in the gray, but like he seems to be very like a typical Targaryen, like protect the dynasty kind of thing. At least from what I've picked up so far, where like if his plan or his supposed plan with Rhaenyra had happened, yeah, she would be like worthless to everyone else. But a Targaryen marriage for her and like kids with him would still be a really good outcome technically for their family overall. So I don't know. I just I don't think he would do that necessarily. Yeah. So just in the interest of of time, we'll keep on moving because we do have a couple more scenes. I mean, then you have uh, Viserys and Alicent having, I think, a fairly frank conversation. One of them says, I think it's um, Alicent says, and this is so heartbreaking after we just know that Rhaenyra lied to her face. It's not in her nature to be deceitful. One of them says that about Alice, and it's like, oof, or about Rhaenyra. It's like, oh, that is so hard to listen oh. to after we know that she just lied to your face. Yeah, poor Allison. You're too good. Yeah. She, I mean, that's why she's a good match for Viserys. They're both too good for Westeros. That's probably not going to go super well. But I like, I mean, I think that they're both smart and that they, like, they don't exactly know what happened, but uh, Viserys at least. When he says, whatever happened, Rhaenyra is not innocent in this. I think like he he knows. I can remember distinctly like talking to like my grade eight principal when I was getting in trouble. And he's like, somewhere between your version and her version is like the truth. And like, you know, there was some gossip going on around. I remember just remember that that statement. And I think that's what Viserys knows. He's like, okay. So maybe what I heard from Otto isn't the straight truth, but like, let's not go just assuming that everything Renera told you is 100% true. She's definitely not. Yeah, it's not just a full up lie. Well, yeah. and that's kind of like plays into the maester bringing her the moon tea at the end of the episode. It's like Viserys is like, okay, publicly I'm defending you and I'm believing you, but actually like, I'm not that fucking stupid. Drink the tea and let's put this behind us kind of thing, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, politically, you can never come out and be like, yes, the heir to the throne fucked her uncle and I am disowning her. It's like, you know, it's just it's just not realistic. No, not at all. Yeah. So then you have the final scene uh, where um, Viserys is kind of confronting Rhaenyra. Well, it's not the final scene, but it's the second final scene because there's a scene after this. And we already talked about the dagger, so I don't think we need to talk on that even more. But then they're basically talking about their roles. And this is where Viserys kind of has a 180 from where he was in the previous episode because of, of different, uh, well, different circumstances, obviously. And Rhaenyra, I think, I mean, that guy's hot take. I think she correctly points out there's a little bit of uh, misogyny and Westeros is a patriarchal society. What? Well, you don't say. Yeah, where she points out, if I was a boy, you know, I could have been. And he's like, yeah, but you're not. So I'm not sure how misogynist Viserys is. He's probably still got a good amount of internalized misogyny in him. But that's also just him being realistic. He's like, yeah, they would accept you going out and fucking around if you're a dude. You're not. Well, so and like, okay, like I can't even blame him for sort of exploding on her at this point. He has been the most lenient king 
in terms of marrying his child off that I've like ever come across in fiction. Cause like he he set up how many suitors? He sent her on a tour to meet these suitors. He's given her all of this time. She's getting old by like Westerosi wife standards. And and then she she basically gets involved in this kind of scandal where her virtues put into question. That's a huge slap in his face given the freedom he's given her. So like yeah, that's that explains the 180 to me. Yeah, and it's like I kind of feel bad for Rhaenyra, but it's like, I mean, you kind of had your chance and then screwed it up. So it's like this is this is just what you got to deal with now. You know, these are the consequences, and especially with the last scene, I think you know it's very clear that like she is. I now I think just starting to actually face some consequences for the first time, or at least become aware of what could happen. Yep. And like, honestly, Lena Valerian, he's fairly close in age to her in the show, at least. I think they're close in books, too. And he's a young, fairly attractive lord. Like, what's her problem to the richest yeah, that's, house? It would actually be very reasonable <laughs> and like a great match on basically every every level, except that she just doesn't want to. Yeah. Except that, yeah, he's that he's not brother. her brother. Maybe she's racist. We haven't had, because we only have one black family, we haven't had a lot of, like, inter- or externalized racism in the show, but, like, that would be a twist. If, but, like, next episode we get some, like, casual racism from Manira, it's like, mm, but I don't want to. It's like, wait, Suddenly, wait. For just eight and a half seasons in for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, man. She did roast the old guy, so maybe that's up, up next on her hit list? I don't know. Yeah, we could find out exactly how problematic Rainier could be. But it was it was so interesting. I mean, I just love the seed because anytime I'm a sucker for uh, a lot of things, as we discovered earlier in this episode, including the word cunt, but I'm a sucker for anytime someone's like, this is like a real problem or the classic one. If anyone out there has seen in Bruges, have you guys seen in Bruges? Oh, love in Bruges. Perfect. So it's like it's an inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate, an inanimate fucking, fucking object. object. Yes, I love that scene so much. And this is like where she's like, so I can be an aid to your political headaches. You are my political headache. <laughs> I just love that like moment of true honesty from Viserys. But even in this moment, again, we could say this. We could talk highly about him because he's clearly fucking doomed. So reasonable where he's like, no, I will not name Aegon. Boy, he sure could. And he says it's like his not to destabilize the realm. I'm not convinced that naming Aegon would destabilize the realm more than this shit show. Politically, it's probably the correct move. And yeah. obviously, we don't want to see that happen because we like Rhaenyra. But like, it would probably be the correct thing. Like, you know, when he said it's like to destabilize the thing, it's like, we just saw that's kind of what the people want. That would probably be reassuring to most people. Like, honestly, this would, if, if the series were to just, like, marry Rhaenyra off, name Aegon as heir, his problems would be gone. Well, he might still have to deal with Damon, but realistically. And the fact that he's literally yeah. rotting, that's also a bit of well, a problem. That's kind of a mortal problem. That's not spoiling anything, but, like, you know, he's rotting. He's... We're aware, we're aware that he's gonna die, Hannah. That's like the yeah. one thing you could comfortably say. At some point in the next five seasons, Viserys will die. I uh, 
you don't have to dance too too neatly around that one. But Matt, you actually just brought up a good point. Since like this is a smart political move by Viserys, but legally, contractually, he cannot make the correct political decision. So when he finally makes what would have been the politi- correct political decision, like a year ago, it's now no longer the correct political decision. So like yes, before he, he Aegon, got locked into a long term contract that's now too expensive. Yes, exactly. So where once absolutely Rhaenya or Rhaenyra and Lenor would have been the correct move, probably before he married Alicent. To be honest, uh, he's now on old news. So can we get like a slow poke? Um, Photoshop with Viserys's face on it because it's making the correct decision three years ago. If someone out there could do that, that would be yeah. great. But it's like in math class and you like stumble across the right answer. It's just like this is all wrong, but you got the right answer, so okay, I guess. That's what I'm saying. It's no longer the right answer. That was the right answer, but now the problem is. Aegon is the correct answer. So, like, oh, sorry, I was jumping ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so you know, let's just move on from my metaphors. So then we do have the final scene where he basically strips Otto of the title. This was a a good scene, and Hannah at the book reader, uh, Viserys drops some venom here, where he basically says, "Hey, Otto, my dad died five days after you were hand." Is that some book tea, or is that Viserys putting on his own conspiracy theorist cap? That's Viserys putting on his own conspiracy theorist theories. Do you think it holds water? Do you buy into it? I think Otto's a schemer through and through, so I would not be, I would not be wrong. I, I would not be mad if the show like took him down that path. I've been like flipping through the book, and I don't see anything about that, but. And I don't remember specifically, but he's totally a schemer. He could be like, this could also be the show being like, see, Viserys is getting older. He's getting a little bit mad because, you know, Targaryens start going mad eventually. But no, I, uh, not a book thing, but um, definitely something I would say tracks for Otto. Yeah, like everyone in like in court is just such a bastard that as soon as Viserys says that, like, I knew nothing about this, but immediately I'm like, yeah, Otto, hmm, suspicious. You know, it's like <laughs> one of those things where as soon as it comes up, I just immediately assume that it's correct. Um, and, and yeah, you know, finally, finally gets around to doing it. You see, it's like in math class when you accidentally get the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. <laughs> what we a got great metaphor. I mean, I can't believe I had never heard it before, but it's so perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's just like, it's such a well-written scene too, because like Viserys comes in, he's got a lot of fire. He talks about like how he's kind of connected the dots. And I thought that was interesting, you know, because it shows that Viserys has been thinking about this for a while too, right? Like it was his agreement with his daughter whom he didn't have to make an agreement with, but that was him, like, you know, extending her an olive branch out of just the kindness of his heart because it's probably going to backfire on him. But, like, her request was for him to be gone so, like, he could easily make the decision just because. But he put two and two together, and he proved that he actually wasn't above noticing Otto's schemes to an extent that we hadn't even seen on the show. I just really liked the writing of it where he was like, your interests no longer align with the realm. You've been a faithful servant. 
we owe you a debt that we can never pay. And also you're fired. Like all of the statements, which seemingly were entirely uh, would contradict each other, were all 100% true. He has been a faithful servant. The realm does owe him a debt because he's been, for all intents and purposes, for, you know, 99.99% of people in the realm. Seems like he was a pretty good hand in the same way that Viserys was a pretty good king. But you're, Viserys is right. His interests no longer align. So get the hell out. So I guess that's the question for Matt, not Hannah, uh, unless you've forgotten Hannah. Who's the next hand? I mean, if it, uh, well, no, my guess would be um, Lionel Strong, because we've had a few moments with him where, you know, he's like, may I give you, you know, uh, unfiltered advice or however he says it. We've had like three moments of that, and it's been good advice every time. Um, So I I feel like he's sort of uh, next in line of the advisors, because he seems like he would be very competent. He seems like a good advisor. I he would be my guess. Yeah, I would I would say he would be my vote, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh he uses it he gets Corliss in there, basically. Because Corliss was a pretty smart political mover mover and shaker before. He's gone now, but like Viserys is extending his hand of his daughter in marriage and also maybe extending him like as a courtesy because Lionel Strong, like also doesn't seem to have a ton of ambition. So like that, that role is mm-hmm. also good to like, you know, get someone's ambition out of the way. And it looks like Corliss definitely has, uh, has more of that. So that might go to, to mend that divide. Um, yeah. But I, yeah. I could see him trying to make that political move to sort of like appease Corliss, you know, give, get him back some more power, try and bring him back on your side. And then could also see it not working out very well because as he's shown, he is, very ambitious and you know not unwilling to go against the king at times so um that on the surface i think is a good choice but could get messy yeah exactly but it's also like as you say i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are assuming it's gonna be lionel strong because it's kind of chekhov's advice why would they show him and specifically him uh giving advice to to Viserys over and over again. You've also gotten several scenes of his sons, like his son, the clubfoot was in the scene where the girls were talking the previous episode. And then those break bones was in the previous episode. And in this one, so like they're kind of hovering around, but they haven't had a, a real big role yet. So this would, uh, this would start to make things make sense. Yeah. Or, you know, it could be, could go with Lionel Strong, and that's just, you know, one more slight against Corliss that pushes him, you know, more towards, you know, even rebellion or something like that. Who knows? True. Meanwhile, Hannah's probably sitting there being like, it's clearly Damon, you fools. <laughs> or someone that we're not even considering. <laughs> I would love to see Damon as Hand of the King just because it would be pure chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a terrible choice. chaos. Yeah, there you go. Okay, and I think that's more or less the episode. Every time I'm like, we can't possibly talk that. Oh, I guess there's the moon tea thing. So moon tea is uh, it's just a tea that's brewed that induces a period. So it's kind of like the uh, Westerosi morning after pill. Um, Sure, so she's going to take that, but not for the reason that they think she's going to take it. Uh, interesting that they have that. To me, like, if, if it's brewed pro, I mean, they say it's brewed properly, and I understand that if it's brewed improperly, it can really fuck you up. So maybe there's the risk there but that does like access to that does 
give her a little bit more freedom to be to live her promiscuous dreams like doesn't it like when they're talking about the whole you know women can't fuck thing because they might get pregnant well that's because they don't have contraception but they at least have this right yeah i mean yes i kind of saw it as showing rhaenyra that like she can't actually just do whatever she wants it was like even though this is like a way out um it's also a reminder that like hey there's there's consequences to this like unfortunately you're not a man and you know there's some other things that come along with this and you need to be really careful yeah exactly so because we haven't heard from her in a while because uh we can't hannah what flavor is moon tea is it a nice chamomile you have no idea what flavor moon tea is. <laughs> it's moon flavored, obviously. It's, yeah. I, it's called moon tea because it it affects the the woman's moon cycle, is what they used to call it back in those days. But no, we even had moon tea in Game of Thrones. Yeah, it was in Game John of Thrones. Ygritte, yeah, when John and Ygritte go to town, and you know, I think. Yeah, the and Cersei takes with... moon tea a few times too. Oh, that's right. And Good so call. does uh, what's her dick of the veil? Sweet Robin's mom. Oh, Lysa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lysa Aaron. Yeah. So it's a thing, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a thing. Um, but I think when they're talking about how like that wouldn't really be an option if you're a married high lady is because you're trying to have kids with your husband. But if you're also fucking around on the side, the legitimacy of those kids comes into question. So that's kind of why she still doesn't really have that freedom. Well, yeah, it's, it's not going to like entirely remove it from her. But if you wanted to be able to. To go around and have a little bit, I mean, I don't know, it's it's like there's still like a mountain of things in the negative column. But it's like, oh, I didn't realize there was actually something in the positive column. Huh? Interesting. All right, people. We've been going on long enough. <laughs> Does anyone have a last chance or a final thought on episode four? No, really, really good. I'm I'm glad. I was slightly worried going into this episode because episode three was a a bit of a downer. Um, where uh, it's like, well, you know what? Maybe this is just two really good episodes, and then the rest is just kind of okay. But it's like, hey, you know what? This one was also really good. So it's still on the road to being really good and it's like oh it was just that one episode that wasn't great no well yeah just one so it was it was a very reassuring episode yeah i would agree with that and i'm excited to see what happens next week because i think if i'm not wrong this will be our last episode with our younger actors um and it'll be halfway through the season so something crazy should happen yeah i'm yeah. looking forward to like I mean, I enjoy all the politics and character stuff, but I'm I'm looking forward to stuff getting wild. Plus, it's kind of like I mean, I guess the first two, the first two just maybe they felt like more, more than two episodes because like the the pace was so extreme. But we've had you could argue we've had like two fillerish episodes. They both put pieces in place, particularly this one. But that's how it is with these type of things. Like you put pieces in place, you can have an episode where they knock them down, and I think we're. <laughs> we're ready for it. I just absolutely scrolled up and I saw the meme of of Allison walking into the room carrying a Jurassic Park set. Matt, that meme so good. <laughs> the House of the Dragons subreddit, A plus memes. If 
that's yeah. the thing. Check it out. It's very amazing. <laughs> it's so good. All right, everyone out there, have a great week. Have a safe week, safer than we're near anyway, and we will see you next time.